See Robocops off warranty. Let me just be the first to say, Girls' Night. Yay! It's it's Girls' Night again because Devon, uh, one third of our podcast, has selected our next bonus movie, which this is RoboCop Two, and then not been here to record for it, leaving the two of us yeah. to do Sunday Night RoboCop. Yeah, we're too. excited. It's girls' night. We're painting our nails. We're mm-hmm. doing like Korean facial masks. Yep. Um, we were gonna watch a girly film called Bridget, Do- like Bridget Jones's Diary, but like a mischievous younger brother. That's brother spelled B R X T H X R. Devon has uh, removed the girly movie, uh, not a girly movie, but the girls' movie from the DVD case and left us with RoboCop Two. I know, we have to watch Robocop 2 instead and just make that girly, but we'll do our best. Because Devin is at their girlfriend's house. <laughs> Devin's, getting, Devin's on dome leave. Devin's getting robotic tier dome. We, so. we have... We have a sort of a robust dome leave policy here as a sort of a, as an employer. Yeah. Um, and so, like all three of us have done this, we've all taken time out. We've all taken dome sabbaticals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but now he's on to Devon. OCP, Omni consuming pussy. Be <laughs> 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 the pussy that consumes everything. Fuck. <laughs> it's a different movie. It's called yeah. Teeth. Um. So <laughs> this this is really going to be like a test of our. We only do the sequels unless it's funny rule, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because Robocop 1 is a better movie. It's a more interesting movie. Like, essays have been written about Robocop. I found two essays written about Robocop 2, and neither of them are very good. Yeah, um, this, I enjoyed this film. I thought it was better than I thought it was going to be, but not quite. It made yeah. me want to rewatch Robocop 1, which, to be fair, I might do that tonight after this podcast. It's, it, it's, it's interesting. I guess also, like, this idea of us only doing sequels unless. You know, apart from where it's funny, this is the sequel of sequels. Like, this is something that Robocop 1 was, like, quietly more successful than anticipated. The studio, Orion, had no money. And so the second that happened, they greenlit the sequel and they started production on it immediately. Wasn't there, like, Um, a cartoon as well and, like, a line of children's toys, which was odd because Robocop 1 was, like, really hardcore? Oh yeah, I had one. I had the little like OCP cruiser too. Um, but yeah, no, they 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 really like cashed in very heavily. Um, and it's interesting because like this phenomenon of sequels is something that's only really made possible by James Bond movies. Like Hollywood sort of got scared off of sequels in the like forties and fifties, and it was only really Bond in the sixties that made people think, oh, we can keep doing sequels really? like this. Oh, yeah, yeah, interesting. At least that's what that's one thing that I read. Um, to be fair, if you're going to do a sequel, like Robocop is a good film to do a sequel to. And it's also a good point. You can jump in on the second one because mm-hmm. you, you know what Robocop 1's about. It's in the title. Like yeah, he's, a, he's a robot who's a cop. Yeah, he's, yeah well, Robocop, as the, yeah. As the posters put it, he's half man, half machine, all cop. I mean, that's a perfect, uh, a perfect prompt to go with. But so... One thing the original movie did was like sort of in-universe commercials for suitably sort of like grim and subversive product, yeah, and that's where yeah. we jump into this with uh, the car alarm that electrocutes people mm-hmm. who try to steal your car. So these, these, these also, little adverts sprinkled throughout the film, uh, which yes. are like world-building and extremely on-the-nose satire, which, as the creation of Philosophy Tube, I 
feel like I can't throw stones in this enormous glass house. But I no, do. This is, this is now that I see someone else doing it, I'm like, this does kind of kill the pacing slightly. But it is funny. <laughs> no, this is. I, um, it's not as. It's not implemented as well for one reason, which is we get a couple of those commercials and then we get the news, right? And I think it's very revealing, right? The news stories that we get because the first one is. This is a, a movie written by Frank Miller. If you're not familiar with Frank Miller, he's uh, the reason why everything is bad now. Um, really? Yeah, sort of. I uh, I, all I know him for is doing very large square Batman. Yeah, he did very large square Batman. Uh, and then sort of is the reason why everything is grim dark now. It's sort of that's oh. a legacy of Frank Miller. Um, in particular, like if you want to talk about movies, both. Sin City and 300 are his sort of like uh, are the oh. best examples of his kind of like nihilism, sort of borderline fascism, misogyny, um, this sort of like affected cynicism. Um, and so this is, I, I think it's one of the first movies that he actually wrote a screenplay for um, because they couldn't get Paul Verhoeven, the director of the first one, back. They got Irvin Kirshner, who directed Never Say Never Again, and also uh, really? this one of. Yeah, and also one of the Star Wars after George Lucas checked out. Um, That's interesting that, because like politically Never Say Never Again, if I recall, was a a bit of a fucking shit show. The politics of this are confusing and not great, I would say, but they're not as bad as Never Say Never was. Yes, yeah. So our, our news headlines are, the Amazon has been irradiated because someone built a nuclear power plant in it instead of just, you know, Burning it down out of spite, like we did in real life. Yeah, that's, um, it's um, the power plant's melting down, and then we get this nice beat where the the newsreader says environmentalists are calling it a disaster, and the other newsreader goes, "But don't they always?" And yeah. then just kind of glosses past it. And it's like, okay, this is the kind of world we're living in. Mm-hmm. There have been a series of terrorist attacks uh, due to a cult forming around the most addictive narcotic ever designed. We're doing the war on drugs. Yeah, uh, and it's I. Yes, like crack is the yeah, idea. Yeah, this, this film, what, that is sold by the CIA? Well, possibly. I mean, that would be a more interesting tack for this to take. But... Yeah, this this film doesn't really engage with the politics of the war on drugs, which were, uh, spoilers, listeners, if, if you're listening to this in the in the early 80s, very bad indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, this sort of cult that has grown up around nuke and is doing terrorism to preserve it is led by Kane from Command and Conquer. I'm not sure who's robbing who there. But, uh, oh yeah, of... did we did we mention um, the drug is called Nuke? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Good> shit, <laughs> love it. Um, <laughs> and, and sort of like bald guy goatee. It'll blow you away, man. Hmm. Sort of like mystical hippie, but evil vibes. And yeah, big Davis Arini vibes from this guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's got the skulls behind him. Yeah, and I'm, I'm breaking my rule of not of not making fun of people mm-hmm. directly. And because of like. This movie is like, in many ways, the opposite of prescient. In a, a terrifying glimpse into the future that never was, they defunded the cops. The cops are on strike. Yeah, yeah. I and was the, like, immediately, I was like, based. <laughs> and the reason why Detroit police are on strike is because uh, Omni Consumer Products, the sort of evil global mega corporation from the previous movie, has bought out Detroit police. And they're cutting their pensions, and they're they're cutting their salaries by forty percent. To which, again, good, based, um, and and so we literally have a picket line of cops outside the police station, not going to work because 
you know, they're, they're blue collar workers, quite literally. And, uh, you know, the, the executives blue don't care about the matter. little guy. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is this is uh, this film has interesting thoughts about the relationship between the police and, and corporations. Um, yes. And also um, very interesting thoughts about organized labor, too. Uh, which but, we'll get but to. Because, because the cops are on strike, Detroit is in anarchy. And we see this. We see a woman get robbed. Uh, the guy who robs her then gets... We also see gets... some Nazi graffiti. Deliberate yeah, we choice do. choice for the graffiti to be Nazi. I was like, okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. We see a, it's, it's like a swastika painted on a, a box of the Wall Street Journal, which is, of course, America's sort of like highest icon of these things, being defiled in this way. Um, guy <laughs> robs a woman... Then gets robbed himself. He gets the shit kicked out of him by two sex workers, which yeah, is as far as you know. I can see the base. robber robs an old woman and then has a great time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, two extremely hot women just kind of like me on a Saturday kick, night vibe. Kick him and kick spit on him, and I was like, "Damn, lucky bastard!" Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, you think for a second, ah, based community justice, but instead it's like it's the sort of like Hobbesian war of all against all, right? Yeah, um, and they're stealing the money uh, in order to buy nuke. Um, yeah. We also see that a gun shop, uh, a gun shop gets robbed, and the owner gets mm-hmm. killed. Um, and then they're like, "The cops are on strike. We can do whatever we want." But then, of course, in the distance, there are sirens, and a police car pulls up. Uh, one mm. of the robbers who's stolen a bazooka bazookas the car twice, just fucking annihilates yes. it. Sick as hell. Also, providing one of my favorite genders in a movie, which is when a cop car gets destroyed and the siren gets sad when it goes like. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I don't know yeah. why I do, but that's genuinely one of my favorite things it's in a cool movie. It's cool to make cars into cops. <laughs> if cars knew what cops were, they wouldn't be them. Um, <laughs> but having had his car blown up, Robocop course, exits the vehicle. Of course, Robocop punches his way out of the wreckage. And yes. if you know, listeners, if you don't know what Robocop looks like, to the eyes, he's definitely more robot than cop. My my dude is like a big. He's like a fridge. He's huge. Yeah, so like a closest analog for our sort of Zuma listeners is Iron Man, but without the bottom half of the like mask. And also, see like I, Iron Man could like move flexibly like a man. Robocop walks mm. like he also walks like a fucking dipshit. It has to be said. Like arms like <laughs> held out like like C three PO. He's like I really like that he walks like a dipshit. Yeah, I like it too because I'm like I I thought they were making fun of cops. I was like, oh yeah, like obviously as a cop, yeah. he looks and and sounds like an idiot. Like yeah, <laughs> uh, Peter Weller apparently consulted with a mime who was like an essential part of his preparation for this role in really? order to ju- just in order to do the like it's sort of like exaggerated robotic movements. That's really cool. Um, and that mime gave him some famous advice, which was. <laughs> <laughs> So, so he uh, Robocop sadly it didn't render on a podcast, listeners. But it was Robocop great. mimes towards them. He's got the bit. He's trapped in a big pane of glass. Um, <laughs> so a rope. Like, <laughs> also, umbrellas also, blowing the away. The cool thing about Robocop, listeners, is his gun is stored in his leg, um, and it yes. like goes and it comes out, and he and then when he puts it away, he like goes and he like twirls it and puts it back inside his leg. Mm-hmm. And we see a couple of things happen. First of all, they shoot Robocop many times. Bullets do not harm him. And in yeah, they response, never seem he... to look at the. They never seem to shoot at the bit of his face that you can clearly see. Yeah, and he shoots them back and kills many of them in response. And my concern, just to sort of like, I'm I'm doing a fun bit here, which is, what if we apply a sort of like rules based liberal order to Robocop here? If bullets can't harm him, 
and they're not threatening anyone else. Like, they've already killed the gun store owner, he's dead. What is his legal justification for shooting them? Like, he has none. It is the purest fascism. Well, threatening, threatening property. Oh, well, I suppose. No, part robot, part machine, all cop. No, that's well, exactly. And this gets me to my next point because he shoots them apart from one who he leaves alive and immediately just tortures just in the field by weirdly yeah, lifting the guy yeah. up by his nose. Um, and if you, I did time this from uh, start of movie to torturing a guy portrayed as like a good, I guess, necessary thing. It's like eight minutes. Um. And what he wants to know, of course, is where is Kane? Where is the like uh, the nuke cultist? Where is Kane? His voice is so cool. <laughs> Apart from in one line, which we'll get to later. Um, <laughs> but so he 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 makes the guy tell him where he gets his nuke from, which coincidentally is where Kane is. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes to this nuke distribution warehouse. We see a little bit of like Robo Robocop vision. Uh, where hmm. he like we see through his eye scans and it's like a crime in progress. Activate arrest mode. It's it's so fun. All of, all of the best bits of this are like legacy Verhoeven. Like there's there's a bit where he's walking to the drug lab and we see his like prime directives, which are uh, uphold the law, protect the innocent, serve the public trust. Um, yeah. Had that off the dome. And, and like those are flashing up over his view of people who are clearly terrified of him, which I yes. like. Yeah. Um, and also like desperately poor. Yes. Uh, he performs a warrantless entry, it's very funny to imagine Robocop sitting in front of a judge for this, by punching the door into this crime lab. Um, he, he locks a couple of guys in a freezer for later, mm-hmm. and... He kills a cu- lot of people. Yeah, curiously there is Latin music playing at this point on a stereo as he looks in at this drug lab, uh, where he detects crimes in progress, and he enters arrest mode, as you say. Um, so, he kills many people. <laughs> logs on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he logs on, enters arrest mode. Damn, he just like me for real. Kills a bunch of people, less like me. Kane, by the way, sees this happening, hits the bricks, leaves Kane, out the Kane back walks, exit. He leaves. <laughs> this, this becomes one of the sort of like, obvious problems with Robocop, is that there is one Robocop, all the other Robocops are on strike, so... Mm. He, he can't well, move very are... fast either because he can only move like could you could you could you exactly he can only he has mime to mime towards, towards you. you yeah you don't have to run from Robocop you can just like walk at a moderately brisk pace and like yeah yeah Kane literally like walks out the back door gets into a limo shoots a woman just because she's evil yeah. and leaves um, at this point Robocop encounters a child by the name of Hob who is like this sort of like greasy preteen, I would say, mm. threatening him with a gun. This act is really Ro- good. But because Robocop has been programmed with, like, uh, sort of good cop instincts, he refuses to kill this child, which yeah. leads Unlike to... Unlike real cops, Robocop cannot kill children. Yeah, I was gonna say, we get a line that real cops have done their signal best to make untenable anymore, which is... Can't shoot a kid, can you, fucker? And then the kid takes advantage of his, like, sort of beeping cop paralysis to shoot him in the face. Which doesn't, like, it gives him a weird sort of, like, headache because he's confused and remembers his, you know, human cop son. 
Yeah, um, yeah. So the the plot of uh, of Robocop One was was Robert Cop, normal man, mm-hmm. uh, is is horrifically injured and turned into Robocop. And over the course of the film, Robocop remembers that he used to be a real guy, Alex Murphy. So we're still yeah, getting a little bit of that in this these one. two halves of his personality, except yeah. he doesn't anymore. He's robot and cop. Um, yes. Um, and then this this the, the movie really wants to drive home the message: criminals will use their children against the police because. Robocop's human partner, Anne, enters the scene, kills a couple of the guys he left in the freezer, just because, you know, so you know she's a badass. Um, And then a guy exits using a baby as a human shield. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, apart from the moral dimension of this, I feel like if I was using a human shield, I would pick a bigger one? (laughs) A really large baby. But from a practical standpoint, Uh it's Uh not a great choice. I think the vibe here is that if you try and arrest me, I will shoot this baby. And he he says as much, and Robocop says, he says no, but he says it in a really funny line delivery that he has got, where he just goes, No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I just kept thinking about that for the rest of the movie. the wheel from Wally. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> and so, u- using his like robot cop brain, perfectly ricochets a bullet off the door of the walk-in freezer, and like sort of curves the bullet around the baby, wanted style, and shoots the guy in the head. Um, baby saved. Um, outstanding work. I will say, I do want to say something about um, his partner, uh, police partner, Anne. Anne. Yeah. Um, it's kind of cool that she's a lady in an action film and she's not sort of like super duper sexualized. That's, That's kind of nice. She's, she's nice wearing she's like, like... She's wearing like normal police clothes. She's not like titties out. Like We don't get mm-hmm. an unnecessary like shower scene with her. Uh, it's something I noticed. Yeah, Robocop never has to like rescue her either, really. Yeah, which is another thing that you would do. Um, so yeah, he he is now cleaned out the drug lab, still looking for Kane. Uh, and Robocop goes off duty, or if, if he can really go off duty, and he drives home and stalks his wife for a bit, like recreationally. Uh, the, I'm not sure whether this is the robot part or the cop part. Um, and <laughs> he, he, you know, forty percent of women who are married to robots. <laughs> <laughs> and he he experiences like flashbacks of his life as a as a as a human cop, which strangely imply that he has a foot fetish. Like, it's it's weirdly based around his wife's feet. Um, but he has, like, sort of erotic memories of his wife, and the whole time, the robot cop is just sat outside, stock still, in the squad car. Yeah, it's like um, massive, this massive, like, hulking robot in a police car. And and we, hmm. we learn in a later scene that um, Mrs. Murphy, Robocop's, I guess, widow? Kind of, yes. Um, is, OCP would say yes. Is suing OCP um, because Robocop keeps stalking her and sitting outside her house. Um, mm-hmm. So we get this scene where Robocop's handlers and, and and a lawyer from OCP are like, "Look, you're just a fucking robot. You're a machine. Yeah. You're not Alex Murphy. That's just a glitch. Shut the fuck up. Admit it on camera that you're not that you're just a machine and that you're and specifically, not." Specifically, the, yeah. the way the wedge that they get in there is: Do you think that you could offer her? Uh, like a man's love, which is to say, we didn't build you a dick, and you look yeah. scary. So you, you, you know, <laughs> give up on your wife. But plenty which of men don't have dicks, do. and all men look scary. So, <laughs> and he he does. He he like she's brought in to see him, and he says, "Yeah, I'm not your husband." Actually, one of the 
good lines in this, one of the sort of good lines in a Frank Miller way, is they built this to honor him, which I like. Um, he's like, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm the all robot, all cop, no guy underneath. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the tagline to the second film, not as good. All, all cop, no guy. Yeah, but we get the sense that this is done sort of like under None emotional. Left cop. <laughs> left cop, you say. Um, but we get the sense that he's doing this kind of like under duress, right? Mm -hmm. Like under emotional duress from OCP. Um, so. And then we meet the mayor, which my notes say in brackets, racist? Question mark. Yeah, yeah. So we meet the mayor of Detroit, who is black. Uh, there's there's a few black characters in this movie, but Detroit is like I I think even at the time of this, the making of this was majority black. Um, and he is trying to negotiate with OCP because in one thing that was kind of prescient in both this movie and in real life, the city of Detroit is bankrupt, right? Uh, and in both cases, it has been like forced into bankruptcy to sort of take advantage of it. Um. So, in the movie, Detroit is bankrupt because OCP has like entrapped it in a contract for taking over the police and Robocop and all of this, uh, charged them huge fees that they know they won't be able to pay back, and as a result, they're going to buy out the city um, in order to privatize yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this sort of dynamic, as far as I understand it, has genuinely happened in Detroit, but it's interesting that the film portrays the city, and in particular the city's employees, the police department, um, as uh, innocent in this, whereas in real life, as I understand it, the city of Detroit responded to its financial woes, which to be fair, like, were inflicted on it by private corporations and, and corruption, um, by becoming what scholars call a predatory city, and like sucking the blood out of its own people, really, with the police's help. So in particular, like a lot of poor black people in Detroit had their houses stolen from them, and like sold off to private developers, and like had their water privatized and shit like that. So we see like oh the city's just trying to do good as the corporations who are bad it's like ah, i don't know i'm not sure that's entirely true also, Can't also, have shit in detroit in this world like uh detroit is destroyed in order to privatize it in order, in order to like rebuild it as this sort of like corporate state where you know, if that's happening in real life, they're taking their time about it. What seems to have happened yeah, instead... Yeah, and also it's noticeable that like, they're destroying it in order to privatise it, whereas I think in real life it's destroyed because it has been privatised. Well, yeah, that that and sort of like, to destroy it just in order to have destroyed it. And this is a thing that I... a problem that I have with a lot of sort of Frank Miller cynicism is that there is a cynicism beyond cynicism that he doesn't quite get, I think. Yeah, yeah, there, he's like, there oh, is... they're, just, they're destroying Detroit in order to like privatize its stuff, and it's like, yes, to a certain extent, but also to another real extent, um, like Detroit has, has been, and it is being destroyed uh, so that black people won't have money and property. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, uh, well, like Tulsa, for instance, back in the day. Uh, I, I think that essentially what it is is... It reminds me a lot of a comic book series called Transmetropolitan, uh, which friend of friend and all three hosts of the show, Matty Lubchansky, has sort of memorably satirized as Fuck City, right? Where the vibe is uh, sort of all-pervading cynicism on the surface, but underneath that is sort of a deep layer of naivety, right? Where it's like, oh, well, people must be doing this because they have a plan. And if they have a plan, they can be sort of like intercepted in that sense. And it's like, no, sometimes it really is just spite for spite's sake. Um, and I think this movie doesn't really get that. But so OCP, 
you know, sort of tell the mayor more or less to his face, yeah, we're going to buy out the city, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. He sort of leaves furious and the helpless. The mayor... How to mm. say this? The portrayal sort of the mayor of Detroit. Uh, he's sort of short fuse, I would say. Spends a lot of the time shouting, gesticulating wildly. There's just, there's just something about this that's just like... The contrast of this black guy being very like... You know you know Chris Rock in uh, Fifth Element? Um, yeah, 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 for sure. It's that very kind of like energetic, sort of slightly wild, uh, sort of bug-eyed mm. portrayal. There was something about this this portrayal that I was just like, hmm, this is maybe a little questionable, but I suppose it's not my uh, my area of expertise. Oh, for sure. I Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong about that, but it's two white um, people talking to each other about it. But, yeah. so, we have to, we, we go to OCP, uh, just sort of now in, in conference, where... Uh, th- like the old dude who's if he has a name I don't remember it but he's like the chairman of the board or whatever um, Norman Osborn is, yeah Norman Osborn is, is demanding uh, sort of so, some new thing to like put the wrench on Detroit even harder uh, to which the suggestion is Robocop 2 yeah maybe and, you'll call it that which is quite fun well yeah they, they announce it and it reminded me very strongly of a line from uh, Three Days of the Condor which I had to put in in every way an improvement over the original. It gives me great pleasure to introduce to you Robocop 2. Jesus, you guys are kind to yourselves. <laughs> and every time they talk about Robocop 2, it's in those terms. But so, Robocop 2 is uh, Iron Man uh, 2, I think, steals this joke where they have Justin Hammer make like Iron Man but isn't good. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially, the idea is they've gotten more cops into new Robocop suits, but every time it drives them insane and sort of like homicidal, suicidal. Yeah. They experience a sort of like body horror from being a robot yeah. that uh, sort of only Alex Murphy, Detroit cop and robot can bear. So um, we get the, we get this cool sequence of these like failed Robocop units and one of them is mm-hmm. like one of them's a big gonk droid from Star Wars where he comes out as a like, gonk mm-hmm. and then he shoots a bunch of the scientists and then itself and then the other one is looks more like a traditional Robocop but it pulls its own head off and it's just like a screaming skull with wires and then just like blows mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. Um, like Mars attacks yeah, um, and we see this is a this operation is under the supervision of a woman named Dr. Juliet Fax who's yeah, going to be one of, of our the Fax kind of, machine. Yeah, um, who becomes one of our main villains uh, for the film. And, um, yeah, and, and may she, I just say, <laughs> hello. Dr. Juliet Fax, hello, looks like Kate Bush in a lab coat. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm, I, this I'm is my told, casting, I like her. <laughs> lanky brunettes. I, it's, uh, I'm told that Fax is with two X's, which is a fantastic choice. And her vibe is sort of like... Um, yeah, just, get, just to make get, the stupidest possible scientific decisions. <laughs> yeah, let me get weirder with it. I can so, get so, so much weirder with she this. She tells the CEO, like, the problem is that we're using cops. Like, we had part cop, part machine, all cop, left mm-hmm. dude. We need no cop, <laughs> all machine, random dude. Yeah, because... And the CEO's r- like, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, because the thing about cops is they're very attached to their physicality. Okay, mm-hmm. sure. Bodies and spaces, uh, yeah. Therefore, when we put them in a robot, they get cop dysphoria, which, you know, I've been there. Um, they get dysphoria from not being a cop anymore, and instead being a robot. <laughs> and and so, um, the, instead of that, the, the reason why Robocop works is because 
he's very Irish Catholic and he has a strong sense of duty, a thing yeah. which no other cops are. And so he like uh, he's able to like bear the sort of the weight of this this robotness upon mm-hmm. himself. Um, what she wants to do is just get random guys. Well, she says um, specifically the thing that we need is a volunteer. Because mm-hmm. none of these cops that they've turned into robocops volunteered for it. And so a lot of them hate it. So it's what we need is somebody who actually wants to become a robocop. And um, maybe somebody who like wants to live forever and is cool. And at this point I was like, okay, I can quite clearly see where this film is going. And yes. it does take a long also, time to get there, but also that we can see that this kind of like gets and like this is an annoyance to the Smithers to this chairman's Mr. Yeah, Burns. I, like this I will guy. be calling them Mr. Burns and Smithers from here yeah. on out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, good point. His 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 toady, his lickspittle, um, mm-hmm. who who is sort of like following him around and like sort of mimicking his mannerisms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and so we leave OCP for now. Robocop drives back to the station, breaking a picket line and explicitly Robo-scab. making him a scab. He yep. is a scab. Um <laughs> is, is it is it Based or is it like I don't really want to call a scab yeah, cringe, point. but to, to to break a police strike is that is that scabbing morally? I mean, um, answers on a postcard, please. Um, inside yes. the police station, we see that some cops are still on duty. Uh, in particular, we see this guy called Duffy, uh, who mm-hmm. is a nuke addict. Yes, uh, I, I strangely progressive for 1990s and not make the cops magically immune to drugs. Um, and so he is like secretly doing nuke on the job. Um, so Robocop and Lewis, they get uh, and Lewis's partner get back together, and they uh, like establish that this child, Hob, yeah, the, the kid, one who the shot Robocop, factory, yeah, yeah, is the one that they want to follow, and he's at an arcade, which they then go and surveil. Yeah, this and is really funny because this like, kid is a crime boss, which I thought was just like a, a wildly unexpected turn in the film i was really i was really tickled by this he's like the, the anti-bruce wayne it's it's really weird because he's doing fully crime bosh it is, it is bugsy malone basically yeah. but the vibe of this movie is is like sort of treating it entirely seriously like you could believe that they had written this part for an adult actor and then just switched the casting at the last minute yeah yeah and this kid and is really good although like the, the actor got caught in some kind of transporter warp field accident and was de-aged um but <laughs> anyway um it's, so- it's strange though because like I, I i have some thoughts about this because the movie is really keen to make a point here and the point is uh you know uh, d- uh, drugs and to a lesser extent you know, uh, money have have made this child into a crime boss, and it's like, yeah, okay, criminals like we know criminals do use kids, like because they're easy to control, and yes, sometimes those kids do terrible things, and sometimes they I claim and maybe feel to enjoy it, right? Look at Alex but, Ryder, child soldier, well, exactly. But that that's like a, a complex mix of like safeguarding and ethics and and like organized crime. We're barely able to talk about in real life, right? It's it's a mm-hmm. sort of a deep wade for which RoboCop Two does not have the shoes. But oh, they really should have gotten your husband on. <laughs> oh fuck, we should have. Damn it! But mm, he works with we... with, with at risk kids, listeners. Yes, yeah. Um, but it, I guess the thing is, he's like. There are ways you can make this work. There are ways you can make this interesting. The Wire, for instance, did this in in mm-hmm. a way that was interesting. But uh, also he's the like, film he's... attack the block. 
yes. But he's too young to, to like, for it to yeah, he's work, I think. Yeah, he's too young. I think he needs to be, like, a, a teenager. Because there's that really amazing bit in Attack the Block where you find out that John Boyega's character is, like, 15. And it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, yeah. okay, this kid's too young to be doing this. Whereas this kid is, like, what would you say, like, 10, 11? Yeah, something like. He's, um, he's like, prepubescent, and it's like, I don't believe this. Yeah. But so Duffy, the, the corrupt cop, goes to the arcade, which Robocop and Anne are surveilling. And... Uh, we see that he's like being used, like the the lure of nuke is allowing this child to extract the like locations of cops out of him to to get killed. And it's uh, a really uh, funny moment where Robocop goes into the arcade and it's full of kids, and he goes, "Isn't this a school night?" And they all like pelt him with popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so funny. I mean, no, <laughs> not in Detroit who sees Robocop is like, "Look at this fucking dipshit machine." Yeah, I, they some, treat some, Robocop some civic the pride. way that listeners you should treat robot cops in San Francisco. The, the, they treat Robocop the way that Philadelphia treated Hitchbot. Mm. Uh, there is literally a scene later where they spray paint the him. The way that Devon treats real robots. It's it's a shame they're not here. That's right. Um, Devin hates the mechanized. I know. It's well, but so not to not to be like again. Uh, RoboCop Two is not a perfectly realistic portrayal of of like organized crime activity, right? <laughs> but it's 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 sort of again curious that the cop here is like a helpless victim of his own impulses, right? Where we know in real life that cops who become corrupt or become engaged in organized crime, like. Uh, that they tend to be the more powerful ones in that relationship, whether that's like cops forming gangs themselves, or like g- generally speaking, they're more useful, happy to. It's, it's strange. Anyway, um, so Robocop, um, Robocop busts up the place. Hob simply exits again. At one point, he has to get his guy to like lift him over a fence that's too high, which is very funny. Mm. Um, he also, Hob pulls an automatic on Anne Lewis um, and then like, tries to garrot her. And, and like nearly succeeds. Um, yeah, we see Robocop tortures Duffy. He does. He like bangs his head into an arcade machine a few times. Uh, once again, the same question: uh, Where is Kane? Where am I? What am I? What am I doing here? What's my motivation? Um, to which Duffy oh. tells him. <laughs> Duffy tells him, "Yeah, is it the old sludge plant, which is a fantastic it's combination of words? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to decommission this sludge plant." Um, mm. So Robocop goes there in his like blacked out police cruiser. Much like an equilibrium, right? They loved painting over cars. The and all of the like the logos on cars. And all the Robocop all car all left cop. <laughs> the, the the all car left cop car is is interesting to me, right? Because it is kind of prescient, right? In that like yeah, cop cars did get more tactical, kind of. The like the all black thing was a real thing. But it still looks like a sort of a '90s sedan, so it looks like absolute shit. I, I I kind of like that contrast. It's like totally unintentional. It's like, oh, we didn't have the language to describe that yet. Something which I will pick up on later. And when um, he infiltrates the old sludge plant, there's this slightly weird beat where he finds Elvis's corpse. What was that yeah. about? Um, I well, I mean, so in just in his den, I guess Kane has. Elvis's corpse, a bunch of Elvis's shit, and a picture of Oliver North, which I guess is meant to convey, like, sort of, he is modeling himself on American heroism and American infamy, right? Um, and these sort of, like, these personalities 
but it goes completely unremarked upon, and it's just sort of this weird orphan in the script that never really goes anywhere. It's it's, it's interesting. Um, uh, anyway, uh, he finds Kane and um, gets yes. owned. Yeah, Robocop gets profoundly dunked on for the next sort of ten to fifteen to thirty minutes, and this is this is a powerful statement of man's ability to organize against capital if man has a thirty caliber machine gun and an mm-hmm. electromagnet because. Mm-hmm. He goes to shoot Kane, and they shoot his arm, his gun arm, off. They literally disarm him. Um, hey. And then attach him to a big electromagnet, tie him to a table, and then take turns trying to, like, I Smash him guess, up, chainsaw him, dismember yeah, him. Yeah, dismember him. Uh, Hob is there, the child. He's, like, sort of sadistically taking part in this in this torture, too. And we see that this, this hurts Robocop, who we had not previously seen had the ability feel pain. Um, um, but they dismember him and they dump him on the curb outside police headquarters. Um, my notes say mm-hmm. Jesus because this is, it's pretty fucking graphic. They have this, I guess, yeah. puppet, this animatronic, this incredible like bit of practical effects that's like a limbless torso and the face of Robocop with his helmet torn off so you see his whole face. Um, and I guess it is just mechanical and then they must have like Peter Weller making noises out of it and his like eyes are mm-hmm. fucking rolling all over the place because he's been like his computer brain's been really damaged it's really yeah. quite like oh god like well, we gotta we gotta fix robocop so so uh, like the the cops like carry him back in meanwhile we go back to kane uh who has sort of inveigled duffy back to his sludge plant had Hob hit him over the back of the head with a bottle. Actually, we got a fun line there, which is um, he offers he offers Hob a drink, and Hob goes, "Hey, I'm a minor." Me when anyone is mad at me on the internet, <laughs> um, and then he 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 like drags him in because he knows that the Duffy has like betrayed his location. He mm-hmm. has him vivisected with a yeah. scalpel, um, and he 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 makes Hob watch, which is almost an interesting point about how how huh, all of this like exposure to like violence for kids is like it is child abuse and it's coercive and controlling. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Doesn't doesn't, doesn't quite really, go really. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's the beginning of an interesting point. Um, we see that OCP uh won't pay to have Robocop fixed, and the cops mm. are all really upset because they're like, well, we like him now. I think I may have misheard, but I think the lawyer in this scene for OCP is literally called Shyster. He literally is. Yes. Um, by the blue collar cops, because you know he's he is the elite, is like keeping their their fallen brother from like receiving medical care. Also, <laughs> we Dr. get it. Fax has the worst idea ever. <laughs> I I love this scene for a couple of reasons. First of all, as we talked about with Rising Sun, the 1980s 1990s American fear of corporate governance was totally inseparable from anti Japanese racism, and so. Uh, Smithers goes to see Mr. Burns, who ha- is like is sitting in an onsen in the middle of a Zen garden. Um, and Doctor Fax walks in wearing a kimono and little else, because you know how else is an executive woman in the eighties supposed to get ahead, right? So we're already like making her like. If you want to get ahead, you got to give some sex. Facts. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, so and- she has this this. Frankly, fantastic idea that she's like, well, we need a volunteer yeah. to turn into a robot cop. What yeah. if we used, I don't know, a death row inmate? They want to <laughs> live, right? Turn them into an immortal machine with a gun? Great plan. Yeah. She, she must that? be giving insane dumb. 
to, to oh, Mr. Burns. Um, I mean, have you seen this woman in profile? The nose. I, I, I think I have 1980s woman dysphoria as well as 1960s woman dysphoria. I might mm-hmm. just have woman dysphoria at this point. Um, Better than robot cop dysphoria. Well, that too. Yeah. So she then goes to a focus group. And this scene, this scene's really interesting to me in a couple of different yeah, this directions. This is so because... weird because this whole beat about they make Robocop gay, it's like, yes, it kind of comes yes. and goes so fast. They, they, they go anything? to this focus group and the focus group are liberals. And here's what they say. If you just talk things out with people instead of firing that big gun of his. Couldn't he take a little time to adjust environmental issues? And the whole time they're sort of like the OCP executives are like rolling their eyes and laughing. And she's like, oh, that's an excellent point. There's... The thing is, I, I quite enjoyed this scene because at the time I saw it, I didn't realize this plot point was just going to like come and go for no reason. I mm. thought this was doing what the fourth Matrix movie does, which is deconstruct the appeal of the original Robocop. And I was like, oh, this is actually quite clever. Like these are potentially valid criticisms of Robocop mm. and by extension Robocop 1. I didn't realize that the movie was like, like trying to make fun of these criticisms at the time. Um, no. And what it almost is, like, had it a crumb of self-awareness, is a very prescient critique of, like, sort of corporate greenwashing and pinkwashing and things of this nature, because she, the guy says, why, why can't he speak out about environmental issues? The joke the movie is making there is, environmental issues are stupid, and this guy is stupid for wanting Robocop to speak out about environmental issues. Um, but so, Ju- Juliet goes, yeah, why, sh- why shouldn't he? But also, like, we, yeah, because we opened the movie with, like, the Amazon is irradiated, which, like, and also, like, oh, I don't know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but a lot of movies of this era and other eras were just like, ah, oh, hippies, environmentalists, and it's like, yeah, those guys were completely right. They were, like, totally yeah, proven right. But so what, what, what I think it almost does is have the corporation go, yeah, you're right, he should engage with the environment, and then Robocop, you know, engages with the environment while still being Robocop and still does the thing and it makes no difference. Uh, but it doesn't do that. Instead, they make Robocop woke. They make him Wokocop. Yeah, she does she does <laughs> conversion therapy on Robocop. She she fucking hypnodoms the shit out of this dude. Mm-hmm. Genuinely. It's incredible. Well, so she um, she has this like scene where she's reprogramming Robocop to make him soy and cucked and gay. And mm-hmm. um she's like She force spams him. Yeah, well she's like typing on the computer and she's like, I type it, you think it. And he's like, You type it, I think it. And she's like, Oh, this is so much better than dealing with humans who need years of therapy and, and persuasion. It is a kind mm. of quite conversion therapy scene. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. But then also, she, 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 says, ma- she reprograms him to make him gay and sends him back to work. The, the, I, I cannot stress enough how horny this is, right? Genuinely. Which is... Okay, I think it's great, but I also think it's a weakness in the movie, right? Uh, because again, you're, you're, you're like, oh, this, this one's a scientist? Well, I bet she's a scientist with a pussy. Um, but so she's kind of like sexually domineering in these scenes. She's, she's like, mm, don't resist a sexy voice. Good point. And it's like, uh, yeah, hmm. Interesting. Um, this is what happens when you let women be executives is that they like forcibly make you gay, a thing which we would all hate being. Make, um, make you gay with their pussies. Yeah. So, so Robocop brackets gay comes back to work. 
And, and now that fucking took me out robocop brackets gay yeah he's got a little progress pride flag now on his arm <laughs> <laughs> robocop so it, like it would have been better if they, if they'd done what real cops do and then like as you say like made robocop woke and gay and then sent him back to work and then the next scene is like him with a pride pin on like beating up a gay person which yeah is yeah what but cops th- do in real fucking life like but that that critique hadn't been invented yet at least not by frank miller of all people yeah so yeah, Robocop, he goes back to work, he does, he, like, takes the knee outside <laughs> so, like, the precinct in not solidarity. To, not to harp on this point, but the other day, listeners, I was, uh, for legal reasons not, um, at a protest mm. against some, against some fascists. It was, like, trans people versus, versus fascists. Um, Classic and, matchup. Yeah, it was great. An all-time one. Um, and then, at the end, like, some people were, were, like, voicing criticisms of the police, and one of the police officers said, oh, don't assume that, that, um, I don't have family members who are part of your community, and we were like, what do they think of you being here, dude? Like, what do they think of the fact that you're just like defending these fucking people? Like, it, yeah, it would have been better had Robocop just like worn a pride flag and 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 been abusive as real cops are. All right, not to cut in on an episode that I'm literally not even on, but it's even funnier than this because right near the end, Abby asked one of these police officers, um, "Hey, how do you guys decide which direction to face when you're like standing in the middle of a protest like this?" Um, and he was like, there's not really a hard line on it. Most cops just tend to like choose which way to face. Um, and that was, that was nice because that basically just revealed a hundred percent of them unanimously decided to face towards the trans people as opposed to the turfs, which is cool. It's cool to know. Thank you. Very comforting. It's, 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 it's strange to say that like, uh, you know, you know, perhaps there could be a movie about how being a cop requires some level of cognitive dissonance, perhaps through the prism of a man who is all man and <laughs> all... That would really good. This should have remade what, it. What I'm saying is, reboot Robocop again and let me write it. Yeah, um, yeah let us so, do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so, he... He comes back into the precinct. He's he's like he's happy. He seems a bit weird, but he's like he's woke. He's progressive now. Uh, and because this movie is obsessed with trying to make a point about criminal kids across town, yeah, we get some happy uh, slapping, which I haven't seen in ages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, 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 a bunch back. of like a little league team is beating the shit out of a store owner with baseball bats. Yeah, uh, with their, under the guidance of their coach. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the and, fun reveal actually that they're all in there doing this, and then outside the coach is telling them to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, woke Robocop shows up. Uh, the coach starts shooting at them, and woke Robocop, again totally unaffected by bullets, just walks through the bullets like, "Hey, we can talk about this. Do you want to de-escalate this at all?" Um, and of course, he does not. He keeps shooting, and Anne has to just fucking shoot him in the fucking head instantly. Yeah, Anne domes him off. Yeah, she domes him off tactical style and is then like, yo, where were you during that? Um, Robocop gathers all the kids together and gives this kind of like staid Superman, in fact, I think it is a parody of Superman lecture about like, uh, you know, haste makes waste, don't use bad language sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And and then the kids run immediately, of course, because Robocop can't run very fast. They're driving along. She, I feel she's like, like that was a problem before they programmed him to be gay. For sure. But, you know, we're, we're getting to a sort of a philosophical critique of Robocop here. Uh, he, he's like driving along and tells him to go faster. And, and, and he's like, 
the you know we're, we're we're following the posted speed limit. We should try and set an example. And this, all of this together, the totality is the idea of a cop trying to set an example, trying to engage with the community, trying to use things other than lethal force immediately is ridiculous. But it's not ridiculous in the critique that you or I might have, where it's like, no, that's not what they're for. It's ridiculous in a sort of a much more right-wing thing, which is, if you do this, people will take advantage of you. People will spray paint you and, and like hit you with a baseball bat and laugh at you, and you will be completely ineffective. Because mm. um, you'll be too busy, you know, shooting perfectly around a smoker as he's just trying to smoke a cigarette, like... Yeah, uh, well, he d which he does do, and then says, thank you for not smoking, because mm, liberals, you know? Yeah, but, <sighs> um, so so they the cops surmise, and I thought this I thought this was going to be like the rest of the film was like Robocop is gay now. Yeah, um, but in but in no, they're like he's got this. They, they plug him in, and the the friendly sort of like technician who works in the precinct is like, yeah, no, he's got all this gay shit in his brain. They've given him yeah. sensitivity training, and we see a bunch of his like Blood his wet. commands, his protocols, which are like you know have consideration for others, uh, mm -hmm. be conscious of the environment. Mm -hmm. um, and she goes offhandedly, yeah, you'd have to either like kill him or like uh, give him like a two thousand volt shock, which would probably also kill him, but it might get the shit out of his brain. Robocop in becoming all cop at this moment, decides rather than be woke for one second more, he will electrocute himself. Mm -hmm. This is like very nearly a parody of itself. Like Yeah, and also it just like it means that this whole Robocop gay arc just kind of like disappears. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, oh that that could have been a good film, actually. You could you could sort of make this movie again, according to the same script even, and have it be a sort of a fairly trenchant critique of both Capital and Cops. This idea that he is more willing to potentially kill himself instantly than to have the thought be conscious of the environment floating around in his head. <laughs> Is, yeah, is is very funny, but he, so he 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 grabs he's, a couple of. He's got fucking British columnist brain, and that like he would rather <laughs> die than respect another person <laughs> even slightly. Yes, yeah, it's like use the pronouns. No, I will kill myself instead. And so he grabs the like live electric cables, like Frank Grimes, and electrocutes himself um, to the point where he he is knocked unconscious. Um, the other cops sort of break the picket and gather around him in concern. Yeah, and, and they literally walk. We see them walking over their picket signs, and I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. Uh -huh. And we see that Robocop he reboots and now. He's totally free. He has no directives, only his own sense of like moral justice and and, and duty. So he looks around the cops and he says, "Are we cops?" Because. You know, to take strike action is wrong. You, you should go be cops. Uh, we should all go together and, yeah. and arrest well, I Kane. Mean, what really binds cops together is is a love of violence, a love sure. of extrajudicial violence. And we get this reinforced right, according to this film. All of the cop cars sort of roll out together, which we are sort of led to believe is majestic. We see them sweep past a hot dog cart, and the hot dog vendor looks at all the cop cars, and I think genuinely, right, this is a point, this is a difference, right, between Robocop 1 and Robocop 2. Robocop 1 would also have had this line, but it is making fun of 
you, the viewer, right? Because the sentiment is the same in both cases, just with a different layer of self-awareness, which is the average American is meant to respond to the presence of cops like this. They're going to kick somebody's ass! By relishing imagined violence against somebody else. Right, and the difference between this and Robocop Two, and between the difference between this and Robocop One, is that Robocop One sort of heavily implies that that's a bad thing, <laughs> and Robocop Two is like, oh man, they really are going to kick somebody's ass, though. Yeah, yeah, this film kind of is made by people who saw Robocop One and were like, sick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it, it is the sort of like missing the point, the thing going over your head meme. Mm, um, it's it's yeah, it is. It's like the people who saw saw Starship Troopers and they're like, damn, Johnny Rico is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so the the cops arrive at the old sludge plant, much like Equilibrium. A sort of a painted over police cruiser and riot gear was the most militarized most people could imagine mm. the police. But this film it thinks it's sick. Yeah. But well, it, and it, also it, robot. it seems it seems quaint now. Like compared to the levels of police militarization that we experience now, it it's sort of like it's a beautiful little time capsule where it's like, holy shit, these cops—they're really onto some serious shit. They're wearing helmets. Wild. Um, but so Robocop leads the charge because he's uncucked. He's uninstalled his cuck drive. True. Um, That's true. The child Hob he shoots some cops, which. No comment? Yeah, again, compared to Equilibrium, right, we do see cops get shot and wounded, painfully shot. Like, you have cops, like, lying on the ground, screaming and shit. No one else gets wounded. Someone does kill him! All all the other... Welsh, Marge Simpson? Um, (laughs) Whereas when Robocop or the cops, like, shoot one of the bad guys, they're not in pain. They, like, get shot gruesomely. Like, there's there's a lot of, like, 80s squibs in this movie. Yeah, but like. They just fall down completely dead. Whereas, you know, there's, there's cops sort of like writhing around and stuff. And it's yeah, like, we really do oh, get a visual representation okay. of uh, violence of cops, good. Violence against cops, bad. Violence of cops, clean. Violence against cops, you know, messy, distressing. Um, but so they, they, they chase Kane. Kane escapes in uh, a sort of a big sort of armored truck, which Robocop commandeers a motorcycle. Um, a, a year before Terminator, mind you. Yeah, um, I noticed this. I was just like, oh, we're doing Terminator 2, but uh, Terminator 2 mm-hmm. did this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ripped it off, but I, I think made it better. And uh, 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 activates arrest mode by <laughs> diving through the guy's windshield and instantly landing him in the hospital. Yeah, he, like, plays, the... he plays chicken with Robocop, forgetting that Robocop is like physically invulnerable and it just gets <laughs> yes. crushed. <laughs> yes. Um, we then we then go to the news where we we find out that the cops have seized like you know millions and millions enough to pay off the city's debts in in drug money. But and this is both a juvenile joke and I, I it also occurred to me as anti-Semitic. State Attorney Sphincter is like barring them from using the money to pay off the city's debts, right? And it's it's like a curiously like. Obviously, it's an immature joke, but combined with the lawyer being called a shyster in a different scene, I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I'm not sure I I, I, I care for that at all. Um, so, Doctor Facts, Doctor Facts, of course, Doctor Facts makes the hello. stupidest possible decision. It's like, oh, uh-huh. a super criminal who's been like critically injured, perfect She's... robot cop material. 
that she's already made the best decision possible that day by putting on the blue suit that she's wearing in this scene. And so anything else she could do sort of like is it sort of seems like an irrelevance. But she goes to visit Kane in hospital and she's like, hey, I'm going to take your brain. You're going to love it. Also, I'm going to kill you now. And she switches off his life support and just like watches him as he dies. Um, they extract mm. Kane's brain and there's you, you don't see it, but there's really good sound design in this scene. With all the kind of like yeah. sawing and like squishing and, and the way that the surgeons are so casual in what they do, which real life surgeons are as they perform surgery. Mm-hmm. If you ever get the chance to watch surgery on a living human being, you will be surprised how casual surgeons are and how much they make jokes. Um, so it's a meat mechanic, you know? Um, yeah, but- they pull out his brain and spine and eyes, which looks hilarious. Yes, again, again, sort of. I go to Mars Attack, so this sort of like schlock kind of thing. Uh, he, he ends up as like a brain and eyes um, in in like a, a tube. We see that um, Angie and Hob have an argument about whether or not to. Angie was like Kane's girl, and Hob's mm-hmm. the child. They have this argument about whether or not to rescue Kane, and Hob's like, "Nah, forget it. I got a plan. Stick with me, he's Angie." Full, he's full Bugsy Malone at this point. Also, he's like sort of holding her her nuke addiction over her. Um, and then OCP are like, well, well, well. So, um, unbeknownst to OCP, uh, Angie and Hob use some of Kane's money, and they make an offer to bail out the city. Uh, mm-hmm. We learn which the details is reduced of that to often. doing telethons. Yeah, at this yeah, point. yeah. Um, and OCP are sitting around like, damn, like some mystery person's going to bail the city out of their debts. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to have to assassinate the mayor. And Doctor Fax is like, what if instead of using a normal gun, we use mm-hmm. this? Huge, and specifically, the head of OCP says we need to not be up. This can't be traced back to us. Yeah. So Doctor, who else like, is building giant robots? I've got the ultimate stealth weapon. It's a giant fucking like tank robot with the brain of a super criminal that has yeah. our logo on it. Um, and she's, and of course, <laughs> like she's uploaded Kane into this like giant robot cop body. Yeah, and, she, and she's like using nuke, which he still needs to ensure his obedience, and again, a very sort of, like, domly fashion. Um, um, and she's like, yeah, no, just let me, let me send this guy after him. So, the mayor goes to, goes to meet Hob, this mysterious benefactor, is like, sort of surprised to see that he's a child, but is so desperate that he agrees to corruption, he agrees to take the 50, uh, million, 50 which million, is, again, yeah. drug money. again, curiously low amount of money. Detroit's bankruptcy in 2013 was like, uh, you know, tens of billions, I think. Um, this scene is he, really, really interesting. Um, first of all, yes. incidentally, Hob uh, does some does some casual homophobia. Um, yeah, he calls him a queer. Yeah. Um, which... um, but then, uh, then Hob has this plan. He says, look, um, you're the mayor. You want to tackle crime. Why do people commit crime? Because they want money to buy drugs. So if you de- like, well, child, that's a slightly reductive view. If he's like, no, yeah. no, no to buy drugs, yeah. Um, um, and so Hob says, I want you to decriminalize nuke, and we will become legitimate business people. It will reduce crime. It will reduce mm-hmm. violence. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, sounds great. And this proposal which, listeners, has been empirically proven to be a good idea, not when done by child criminals, but in general, the decriminalization (laughs) of drugs, like, provably works. This is treated by the film as absolutely fucking ridiculous because it would deprive the noble cop of that sacred duty (laughs) of cutting down people who fucking cross them. I I would say it's like the intent is less to be ridiculous to me and more like 
damn makes you think and then you don't think about it that much yeah. like <laughs> makes uh, you not it, think <laughs> well exactly like Hobbs sort of like selling point is hit like his we don't we don't advertise we're not like big corporations we're you know we're practically a small business um and, and you know contrast that with with OCP and you're meant to be like oh damn maybe he's got a point Anyway, next scene. And that's how the movie treats it as damn anyway, next scene, which yeah. is Robocop 2 enters the situation. Robocop 2 is like twice, three times the size of it's Robocop like, yeah, 1. Yeah, he's a 10 foot cyborg. Is he on like, does he have legs or does he have little tank tracks? Uh, he's remember. got legs. He's definitely got um, legs. He's also and, got and like, like, a Gatling like extra gun. arms that he can deploy and uh, like a big mm-hmm. thing. He's, he's got like a digital face. Which is like Kane's yeah. cyber face. Graphics. The graphics on this yeah. are quite something. Uh, yeah, don't he, Amiga, he looks like apparently. that, like Shrek meme. Um, <laughs> um, and he, he comes in and he shoots everybody up. Uh, the mayor manages to escape. Uh, Hob mm. hides uh, in an armored I, car. Uh, there's one bit that I really want to talk about, which is that he sees Angie, and Angie recognizes him and is like, "Okay, I can I can get it together. I can still work this." And so she touches his like knife hand thing with the gun on it uh, in a way that is sort of like strongly suggesting that this is the robot's dick right mm-hmm. and i want to just want to contrast the here the hand right? is the dick the, of the robot exactly the virgin i don't have a dick so i can't love my wife robocop versus the i can still finger my girlfriend with robot hands kane chad except this doesn't work, well, right? She has he this is... line where she says, "It'll take a little bit of getting used to, but I could get into it." And I was just like, "Nice, good. I'm glad that people mm-hmm. said this." She's like inclusive. She's progressive. Uh, she supports this transition. Um, uh, how, however, just even even this reminder of it is enough to uh, make him go insane with rage, and he like snaps her neck several times brutally. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's, it's, it's pretty it's... fucking graphic. This is this is a fairly sadistic movie in a lot of ways, and yeah. you know I, I have some like thoughts a, about like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like the eighties aesthetic of violence and fear of violent movies, and you know it fits right into that paradigm. He he like machine guns, Gatling guns the 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 truck while Hobbes hiding. Um, the mayor escapes by like fleeing through like a sewage tunnel, um, uh, and then Robocop shows up because. Which is great because it's been like forty minutes, and I literally forgot what Robocop was doing last in Robocop. Um, he was uninstalling gay.exe. <laughs> That's right, and and so he he goes to you know Robocop two is now gone. He goes to the truck, sees Hob dying, and I was surprised at this. I was like, "Whoa, they're going to kill this child!" Yeah, they kill the child. It's like a sort of like emotive death scene, and you know, he's lying on a pile of money in a suit. This is not a subtle movie, um, and and Robocop sort of like more or less goes drugs killed this child. There is one of the better nihilist Frank Miller lines, which is as Hob realizes he's dying, he's like, "Well, you know what it feels like to Robocop. It really sucks." Uh, and Robocop just goes, "Yes," which <laughs> is that's good nihilism to me. Yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> Robocop like, oh. mounting an impassioned defense mm. of like the value of of a good death. <laughs> Hobbs asks not to be left alone, and Robocop yeah. holds his hand as he dies, um, which mm. is quite a sweet moment. And I did feel sorry for Hob. Yeah. Um, 
Meanwhile, across town, OCP is having the rally to restore subtlety, um, which is <laughs> they're they're unveiling their new headquarters. They're about to take over the city. Uh, they're moving City Hall to their new building. They've unveiled their flag, which, if you're not familiar, is a red flag, the white circle in the center, with the OCP logo and black inside that. Um, it's being guarded by a bunch of guys in leather trench coats with leather peaked caps. Um, it, it really, it's blinking your miss Cause, at stuff. Because remember, like, corporations I are fascist, but cops. That this is an allusion are... to the Third Reich of Ooh. Nazi Germany. I, yeah, it's a little bit of Alice analysis there. Subtle. Um, <laughs> you blink, blink and you'll miss it. Um, That's right. But yeah, so OCP, Mr. Burns is like, yo, we've got a plan. We're going to improve the city. We're going to knock it all down and we're going to build towers. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And the mayor rocks up and is like, you know, nobody elected you. This is completely undemocratic. And uh, mm. the head of OCP says, well, you know, it's democratic because anyone can buy stock in OCP and own mm -hmm. a piece of the city. And the mayor's like, and, and if what you if look they can't at the afford polls, it? And he's like, sit down and shut up. Yeah, and if you look at the polls, you see this is actually quite popular. Yeah, this um, is that. This was quite a scary moment. Um, and for and me. by the way, because I didn't want to do two separate press conferences, here's yeah. Robocop two. <laughs> yeah, I'm busy. Also, Robocop two. Um, <laughs> sort of a sort of a t like a, a Steve Jobs thing, you know. Oh, by the way, here's Robocop two, and Robocop Robocop two comes up through the floor. Um, uh, and uh, uh, the, Mr. Burns says we're going to make Robocop 2 in Detroit, which is going to mean like jobs. And we do get mm -hmm. this, I guess, in the wake of Donald Trump, slightly scary moment where the film is shown to be quite present in that it's shown to be popular, or at least uh, that in OCP's polls it's popular, that the that the city be run like a corporation, you know, one in which you can be fired if you are not productive, and in this case, literally fired upon by Robocop 2. There's there's an equivalence I think that the movie makes between OCP and and Kane because way back when he was still alive in his drug lab he's like looking at new designs of nuke with a scientist who has a Frank Miller cameo I hate Frank Miller he looks like a dipshit um uh, and and he uh, like Kane goes made in America yeah we're gonna make that mean something again it's like interesting okay we're we're really getting to sort of like a you know American anxieties of of the eighties and early nineties uh, and and again like. On the one hand, as with Rising Sun, on the one hand, this is an anxiety that, you know, was about the, the sort of like hollowing out of American post-industrial urban centers, right? But it wasn't, and like, it was also an anxiety of people who had absolutely no concerns about that, and in fact were participating in that, but who were worried because people were buying Japanese cars. Because, um, um, anyway. So Mr. Burns holds up a big container of nuke and is like, yo, this yeah. is nuke. It's real bad. <laughs> Robocop 2 is making grabby hands towards yeah. it the whole time. And he's like, Robocop 2 is going to get rid of all of the nuke in the city, and that's why we love him. Um, he's going he's to seek it out very aggressively. Yeah, um, yeah he's going to destroy it, all the nuke in the city by consuming all of it. Um, mm. <laughs> Ju Juliet enters. By the way, she's supposed to be like moving quietly, but she's wearing heels. So the way in which she runs down these steps is genuinely really funny because yeah, yeah. she looks like that one picture of John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> she's um, breaking her legs and becoming Robocop 3. Uh, meanwhile, well, exactly, Robocop yeah. 1 is here with a big anti tank rifle, which rules. Mm -hmm. Yep, he's got um, like a 50 caliber rifle, and, mm -hmm. and, and he's like, uh, Kane. I, I know what you did. You killed a child. Uh, let, let's take it outside. So so Robocop 2 seizes 
his control of his own programming by destroying a remote control. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like, opens fire and it like, kills a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yes. And then we get to the next and last 20 minutes of the movie, which is Monster Fight, right? Because uh, this movie doesn't have a third act, and this is one of the like criticisms of it at the time, even, is it doesn't have a third act. So, because what they wanted to do was just rely on this monster fight being enough to tie it up. It isn't, but that's what they try and do. Um, and so we get a, a sort of a long fight scene where, where Robocop and Robocop 2 fight each other. Robocop 2 shoots a lot of people. We get a lot of wounded cops. We get a lot of wounded journalists, and particularly women. Uh, like, we see a lot of women get shot in this movie. This is the point at which the use of squibs really sort of veers into sort of like the sadistic, I would say, um, because it's it's purely gratuitous. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I think probably they're like, we're gonna, it's the final fight, we're really going to go all out, you know, you're mm-hmm, not seeing anything mm-hmm. yet, and it's just like, well, you know, it's interesting who your choice of target is. Um, yes, they do have this yeah. fight, it is, the special effects are still pretty good. Um, I think like, I think Robocop 2 is, is animated in like stop motion. Which still looks like pretty yes. cool. Still sort, looks- of, sort of Harryhausen-esque. Um, I mean, I honestly, I was pretty bored by this point, but they, they have the fight. Uh, Robocop 2 has like three false deaths. You know, the bit where he like, you know, blows up and then you see him like come through the smoke or whatever. Um, and ultimately, Anne has the idea, because m- many cops are, you know, selflessly, heroically shooting at Robocop 2, knowing that this does nothing. Um, and they're sort of laying down their lives in the process. And Anne has the idea to, like, first of all, to ram him with a tank, which sort of works, and second of all, to distract him with the big canister of nuke, which allows Robocop 1 to get on his back and, like, shoot through him in order to remove Kane's brain and squish it with his, like, mechanized robot fist. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah, I say, a cop's no, fist no- punching a human brain. Is, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. is the visual that sums up this whole film. Not a subtle movie. And then we get, uh, like, we're going we to tie all this shit together in the last minute, right? So Smithers and Mr. Burns collude to pin everything on, on Dr. Fax, on Juliet. They, they try and make it her fault. Um, but unbeknownst to her, and because they're still fucking, Mr. Burns and Juliet walk out together. He literally steps over a body on the way, because uh, this is a subtle movie. Um, and then uh, he gets Anne away with go- it. He drives off. Yeah, yeah and and turns to Robocop and she's like, "Oh, do you think you should do something about that guy?" Uh, and he hits her with the line, uh, "Well, well, just patience, because we're only human." And that's the fucking movie. We go straight to credits. Yeah, it just like ends. it doesn't. I was like, "Oh, okay. it doesn't. It really doesn't have a third act. It doesn't try and even make a point about like, oh, damn, he really is getting away with it. And how 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 do you want to feel about that? And instead, it's just like, well, uh, go see Robocop." Three, and interestingly, Robocop three they overcorrect in the other direction, and Robocop three is like PG almost. Really? Um, yes, genuinely, it's like trying to uh, turning the big violence dial back and forth, and looking at the audience for approval is is what the Robocop series is. Huh. Um, How many were there? Jesus Christ! I think they made like five all told, and then they rebooted it again with. Um, uh, insanely, Gary Oldman and Samuel L. Jackson in it. Um, it's yeah, it's it's sort of a cautionary tale about sequels. Um, and ultimately, that is James Bond's fault. 
What does what does Robocop I mean, two at, at say Robocop about? At least Robocop and to to an extent Robocop two. Like it's nice to see a film that is the, trying to be about something. That's I mean, true. I mean, we compared it to Iron Man earlier on, and certainly the final fight is very Iron Man one, and that you've got little robot dude versus big robot dude. But like this this film has like themes. I don't think they're particularly good. Like it has politics mm. and an ideology. I don't think they're particularly good. But it at least like provokes questions and invites the viewer to think well, about I things, mean, albeit in no, a very no one could ever way. say that Frank Miller didn't have an ideology. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What, what does this movie say about masculinity? Um, not using violence as like soy and gay and gay be violent and um, something that is literally programmed into you by women domineering women mind you yeah yeah women um, are bad and will use their pussies against you unless they're cops as well mm-hmm. um are there any uh, other women in the film there's i mean there's Anne. oh yeah like yeah violence yeah yeah um yeah, masculinity is inherently tied with like copness. Yeah, I guess. Again, we um, see this this theme emerging, and it's also like part of why I hated masculinity. We see this film hmm. emerging in so much this theme emerging in so much masculine film, which is that masculinity like, men are the ones who kill. Men men are hmm. the weapon. Men are the ones who do the kind of violence. And it's like hmm. I don't know. I think that sort of does a disservice to men. Really? Yeah, absolutely. It might even do a disservice to cops at this point. Like, not not that you necessarily care, but it does rankle a bit to be like, oh well, okay. Clearly, the move is kill early, often, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I mean, I I know some cops don't think of their. I mean, just most cops probably don't think of their jobs as being bad. Like, um, I've I've met cops who who like want to help people and who don't like violence and stuff, and it's like, well. Yeah, and you decided to record a podcast with me. I, I think it's genuinely, <laughs> I, I, I think sort of the way I feel about cop films in general is that you have to treat them to an extent separately from the way that the police function, and more about sort of like the like as a mythologizing function of the police, right? And the myths that we tell about the police and the way that the myths that the police tell about themselves are important in that way because, like, I don't know, those those ideals matter. Um, and if the ideal is the guy who uh, becomes woke and soy and gets sort of the worst thing of all you can be, which is humiliated, like being spray painted by children is sort of like more ridiculous than being hacked apart with chainsaws to Robocop. Um, that's that's a sort of a, a grim path, I would suggest. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly if I if I were a cop, I would be a little bit uncomfortable about this being the ideal of copness. Mm-hmm. Also, um, file this alongside The Dark Knight Rises for one of those curious portrayals of like proletarian cops, um, yeah. where the cops are like the little guy. They're like you know just you know blue collar schlubs organizing against you know the the powerful. And yeah, working like, in the cop factory. <laughs> exactly. Hitting a big yeah. crime with hammers. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's oh, I, I don't know. It's a product of 1990 as much as anything else. Uh, which yeah, is to no, say as, that I, as I said at the start, like the, the film's stance seems to be that corporations are bad, but the people whose job it is to protect corporate interests with violence are good. And it's like it's kind of a weird, weird ideology. Yeah, where you have to invent a separate kind of cop that's wearing like a leather coat 
that does yeah, the same yeah, thing yeah. In, in but they're the bad cops yeah um, it's like oh, i mean if that's your stance then ultimately it's like i think you really you just enjoy violence don't you well i mean this is this is a movie this is a great movie if you enjoy violence it's got a lot of violence in it mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. it and it does enjoy it violence um, is shown to be like a purifying force as well except when it yeah, kills absolutely. the child mhm yeah and that's robocop too we're not it's it's a bonus so we're not doing a scam system we've got the next mainline Man from Uncle episode, which I don't even know what that's called. One spy, always too many against, uh, never again. One of our spies is missing. One of is our spies right? is missing. Maybe so. uh, just like and... on this podcast, you know. <laughs> that's With right. Death. Fingers crossed, all three of us will be back for that one. Uh, but if not, that would be very on brand too. Um, yeah, but... true. I, I, I am going to go away on dome leave in a few days. So. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but thank you for subscribing to the Patreon. If you do, you don't have yep. to to get this because of the winter of content. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, you, you are quite welcome to if you if you would like to. Uh, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Kill James Bond. I don't know which one though because we are banking these episodes as we're going away on holiday uh, variously three of us throughout the month of December which means that uh, you will not get a fresh and new jazz outro every time you will get this one uh, for all three episodes um, that are yet to be released in December so Let's crack on so this isn't too annoying to listen to three times. Our £15 and above patrons are Christine Fox, Amanda Comet, Freya Aloysius, Gustavo Lira, Jack Holmes, Thomas Oberhart, Nick Boris, Kentucky Fried Commie, Yarrick, Nata Mori, Harriet DeCock, Corios, Benno Rice, the Commissar formerly known as Jen, Beef Crime, Library Hitman, Callan Burney, Max Gamenhart, Jonathan Gerdes, Jack Drummond, Hell, Kit Divine, Lysamesh, J. Martindale, Jonathan Siegel, Big Titty Goth Girl, Tarp O, George Rohack, Mothman, Harrison Fuller, Trip, Violet Cybra, Alex, L plus Liz Nash, doing well in Florida. Sorry you Brits are freezing your asses off. We don't have heating bills, so have some dosh. Uh, Paint McCalla, a trans robot, Ronan, Elizabeth Cox, Zoe Shepard, Finn Ross, Two Spy, Three Many, Turfs Eat Shit and Die Alone, Quinn Valeri, Alfredo, and Wolfie. Thank you. Kill James Bond is, of course, Alice, Abigail, and Devon. Our producer is the wonderful neighbor Thay. Our podcast art is by Matty Lipchansky, and our website is by Tom Allen. See ya.